This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, helping the people of the world to live healthy lives. Welcome, everyone. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me today. This week, we're discussing financial literacy, from saving money to creating a healthy relationship with money. My guest is going to share her story as well as tips on how to gain financial freedom. Today, Kaylee Boisvert, she is a financial advisor, speaker, and author. She is joining me today to help us navigate our finances. Welcome to the show, Kaylee. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Claudia. There has been a lot of discussion and a lot of frenzy around the state of the economy and what to expect in 2023. Now, I try myself not to get too uh, worked up about it because I feel like we're just going to have to get used to this new cost of living and um, there's not much I can do about it. But there actually is a lot I can do about it myself. So as much as it sounds grim and scary... What should we expect and how can we prepare for this? I love that, that your point you said about focus on what you can control. So you're right. There's a lot happening right now. Um, We came off of a year, 2022, where it was high inflation, constant increases in interest rates, um, stock markets going down. So it was really hard in many respects. And we're now just starting a new year fresh out of that. And we're still, you know, that's still looming over us. And, and I think it's just important for people to remember that there's often a lot going on and it's often going to feel different this time. Like a lot of people are saying, but this is different this time. And of course it's different this time because it's unique to the factors that we're going through right now. So it's not going to exactly reflect something we've seen at an event or at a different point in time. It is for sure always going to be different when we get these unknown scenarios or these scary times. But again, and like you alluded to, what we need to do is focus on what we can control because I can't impact the stock markets and neither can you. So it's what do you have control over and keeping the focus on that. So what are some things we can control? We can control our savings rate. Maybe we're wanting to save a little bit extra knowing that, you know, last year was pretty tough. Maybe there's going to be more expenses that come up or maybe just the cost of things increasing. I want to have a little bit more savings set aside for that. Uh, how, what we're doing to take on our debt, for instance. So maybe it's making an extra payment on a credit card to help get rid of that debt or reduce it. Um, maybe it's creating a surplus, like an emergency account, or what I like to call an empowerment account, because it's a lot more uplifting that way. Um, And, you know, maybe we can set aside some extra money in an account like that. And two, with that, I want to acknowledge that the feelings, because I think that's really important. We can't just sort of like gloss over the feeling element of it. It doesn't feel good to see your mortgage payment go up. It doesn't feel good to see your investment statement balance go down. So acknowledge the feelings feel them, you're by all means allowed to have those. But then it's a matter of working through it and taking action and focusing on what we can control. You're telling us, so we've been hearing about this since, you know, 2022, that 2023, we're going to see some financial decline. So you're suggesting that we should be pre-planning. So if, if, you know, looking at your, you know, we're making New Year's resolutions, I call them intentions. So you really do have to plan for the year and say, okay, this is how much money I make or we make, if you're, you know, talking about it from a family standpoint, and then you're allotting certain amounts of money for all the things. So it really is about, you know, planning things as it is about meal prepping. So really, you're just kind of planning your life for the next year. So debt. 
we all have debt and we're all scared of debt, but is it okay to have some debt? And should we have a little bit of debt? What is the motivation behind having it? How does it, you know, how do we navigate the feeling of being in debt and how much is too much? I would say when we, it comes to debt, you know, oftentimes it feels very heavy. It's, you know, it's that we might feel that like, I'm always stuck in debt or it's this constant, I can't get out of debt. So that's a very heavy feeling and a lot of kind of negativity and almost um, negative affirmations kind of bringing more on when you say things like, I can't ever get out of debt or I'm always going to be in debt. Like we have to stop and look at some of those statements or those like the internal dialogue that goes on around debt. I would say that's really important. Um, but when it comes to debt, you're right, we have it in many different forms. Um, and oftentimes as financial professionals, we kind of like to break it down into good debt versus bad debt. Um, good debt being maybe it's debt on an asset that would be appreciating in value, something like your home versus bad debt being that really high interest rate debt. So something like a credit card where you're going to have to pay 18% plus um, if you carry a balance on something like that. So we don't want to have that bad debt. And again, classifying it as kind of that double digit type debt because that's a really high interest rate. And when we think about compounding and the power of compounding when we're growing our worth, well, the opposite is true when it's compounding against us, right? It's growing that debt or increasing how much we're going to have to pay at the end of the day. So pay down or pay off your credit cards, for instance. And it creates more room for possibilities because when we have a lot of debt, um, it limits what we're able to do, right? We might not be able to go on that family vacation we've been wanting to do, or we might not be able to buy that house we've been, you, you know, maybe you're wanting to purchase your first house or buy a new house, but based on your current debt levels, you wouldn't be approved for the mortgage. So there is a lot of heaviness and a lot of limitations when we're carrying too much debt. Um, but again, like you said, we're probably going to have it at some point in life, especially in the form of something like a mortgage. And we don't really look at that as bad debt because generally what we've seen in housing markets is that usually our houses have increased in value, at least kind of keeping up with inflation and usually a little bit beyond that. Um, and we have been in a position of quite low interest rates. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of increases in those recently, but on historical levels, we're still pretty low at being around like high fours or 5% um, for interest rates on our mortgage. You know, if you're going to have something like a mortgage debt, you're going to have to sort of carry that and have that with you because usually mortgage terms, especially if you're just getting in on one, you know, it might be 20 years, 25 years. That's a really valid point. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, younger people who are trying to get, you know, get out of school, get jobs, you know, settle down, uh, buying a piece of property, real estate, whether it's a condo, a home, they're going to end up in a mortgage position, but is there a mortgage that is too much for them to handle? Uh, is there a mortgage that would be considered also not bad debt, but debt that's going to put them in a position where they can't function and live other parts of their lives? And is that something the bank decides for you? Yeah, I mean, the bank does like they have a lot more qualifying criteria now. So they're kind of they put in these ratios of what you're able to afford. So 
that's the good part that we have some pretty good standards in place where they're going to run the numbers with where you're at. So that's kind of your first point of like, okay, that's going to help you budget for it. But then it comes down to two really embracing what it is that you want. I talk to people all day about finances and everyone is so different. There's people that never want to even own a home because they love the flexibility that renting affords them. And then there's people that want to have a big home with lots of bedrooms and, you know, more bathrooms than there is people in it. Like, it's just, there's so many ranges in what people want. And I think that's okay. Like embrace what it is you want, but then make sure that you're kind of sticking to that when you go out and look, because if you're kind of saying, okay, I don't want to be, you know, house poor, or have, you know, more than, 30% of my income going to my mortgage payment, um, you might find yourself kind of the price state creeping up and up. Um, so you might want to just kind of, again, take stock, take inventory, really get clear on what your goals are, what you want, and then make sure that you're kind of keeping that in mind. And, and that's a really good point. It is probably one of the biggest financial decisions. And you want to also you know, get into the market where you know your home or your dwelling is going to appreciate because that actually lends to your financial stability in the future. And is it typical to have, uh, you know, a 20-year, 25-year mortgage? They do mortgages for longer than that. And is there an advantage? The standard or generally what people are starting with is 25 years. Um, and I think that's probably more of a comfortable position than going anything longer. You really just have to do the math too on your current age. And like, if you think about if you were to pay it over that schedule, that's really how long it's going to be. So if you're 25 now and you get a 25 year mortgage, you're 50 and the house is paid off. If you follow that schedule, maybe you're 40 now and you get a 25 year mortgage that puts you at 65. So deciding you know, where that age sets you, is that comfortable? Do you want to have your house paid off before then? And by all means, you can kind of accelerate your payments, make larger deposits and decrease that. But just going based off that schedule, is that comfortable to where it puts you financially in the, or puts you in the future with your financial goals? If you're saying, I want to be retired at 55, but your mortgage sort of looks like it would be paid off by 65, that might be tough to have to take a mortgage payment as well into into retirement. When it comes to health, I believe that financial health is is grouped into our overall health. I uh, you know, you want to have a healthy relationship with your finances. You we can't focus on all the negativity around finances, but we have to be aware. And as a woman, one of my personal goals was always to know that if, you know, I'm in a relationship, but if I wasn't in a relationship that I could live on my own comfortably with the lifestyle that I want. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, being a single woman and understanding finances, because many women are at a point where they just don't know where finances begin and end and how to handle that. That's great and a great point. I'm actually just finishing up writing my book that's about just that. It's about women and finances and building confidence, and it's called Make Money or Things. So that's actually coming out this year. Um, and it's exactly that. It's what I was seeing time and again in this industry was that women didn't have that same level of confidence when it came to money. And that for me was really surprising at first because I, I learned about money very early on and I kind of learned like I loved money, like based on what I was learning and what I was finding out. So growing up, I grew up with a single mom and money was really a source of stress and struggle. But 
early on, I learned the power savings when instead of saying, you know, no, we can't have that. No, we can't afford that. My mom said, well, if you want it, you're going to have to buy it yourself with your own money. And I was like, what? Like mind blown. Um, My daughter, she says, she's like, well, if you didn't say no, if it's not a no, it's a yes. I'm like, I don't know about that, Ivy. But that's what it felt like in that moment, right? She didn't say no. It was like the possibilities were open. And then it was okay, I can get this. So then I saved and saved and saved and, um, you know, really diligently saved up for these big goals I had. And I was able to buy these things on my own. So although my mom wasn't able to afford it at the time, I was still able to get these things that I wanted so badly as a kid. And it felt so good. It was so empowering. And I believed in the possibilities because I kept kind of achieving higher and higher goals. Like it was a Super Nintendo when I was young, and then it was a dog. And then it was my first car when I was 16. And then I paid for my tuition to get through university. And um, so I kept doing these things. And so when I got into this industry, I, I was love, like, I love money and I love talking about stock markets and investing. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, when I was like not finding these women, because I thought we're, you know, with women, we can talk about this and we can have these conversations. And I wasn't seeing that. I was working with a male financial advisor at the time and he had a lot of male clients. And if they came in as a couple, oftentimes it felt like, he was mostly directing the conversation at the the male partner and and the the wife or the spouse you know looked a little bit like less interested and and like she wasn't as engaged or as involved and i kept seeing that time and again but i was like wait like there's there has to be something to this i think women are interested or at least they need to get interested and they need to know you know and what can i do about this so that's when i went on my own started my own business and focused like very exclusively on helping women feel um, empowered, feeling confident when it comes to money. And I did that by starting with just like putting on different in-person events for just women on different money topics and investing topics. And at first um, I got like a lot of flack from my male colleagues. They're like, what's with this? No boy is allowed, you know, approach that you're taking. And I was just like, you know, we, I need to do this and I need to see it through. And it, it worked like women showed up and more and more women would come each time I did one of these sessions. And so fi- I kind of like re um, ignited that thing inside where I was like, okay, women are interested. Women do want to know. But I think what was happening was they just didn't feel as comfortable. Women wanted, you know, we, women want more of a safe space where they feel comfortable to come and talk about money and finances, where there's no such thing as a dumb question. Um, so I don't think there's any difference in like the, the knowledge level of men and women when it comes to money and finances. I think there's a difference in the confidence level. I agree with you. And I am like you. I like money. I like the freedom it gives me. And I don't want it for the wrong reasons. When we come back, Kaylee's book for children, Money Wise Mabel's Bursting Bank, Financial Literacy for Children. This is the wellness prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Kaylee and I were discussing financial freedom and what that means. And we were discussing that women need to have financial literacy, financial empowerment, and there's nothing wrong with a woman understanding everything there is to know about finances. 
you commented previously before the break, Kaylee, about how when you were in a room, you know, couples come in to discuss their finances and the, and the female sometimes seems uninterested. Well, I am the opposite. I am extremely interested in my finances and our combined finances. Um, and I joke about it and I tell my husband all the time, I like to know every detail because I want to know how much money I can spend. And I don't say it from a place of like, you know, snottiness, because I'm not a gazillionaire. But I like the idea of knowing that I can buy the things that I want, and at the same time, afford the things that I need. To me, it's a sense of security. And I feel like we all need that sense of security. And I love that you're kind of focusing on women and teaching women that they can have that same financial freedom. Tell us a little bit about your story and your history. For me, again, it started like early on when I learned about the power of money and what it can do and the possibilities. Um, and so it was very exciting. Like, you know, money can be fun and interesting. But then, yes, it was very hard to see when I first started in the industry that maybe women, I was like, oh, maybe they aren't interested. Maybe it's just me. Um, but then, yes, I kind of revived that um that sort of whole passion I had when I started seeing, okay, women are interested. It's just maybe that this industry, it has been so male dominated for so long. So I'm a financial advisor and in the role of financial advisor, there's only about 15 to 20% women right now. So it's still a very low representation of women. We need more women in the role. We need it 50, 50, like there's no reason why it wouldn't be or shouldn't be. And that way I think more women can almost, you know, see themselves in the person they're working with or talking to about money and feel really much like part of the conversation, like feel that their, their needs are being, you know, listened to and, and considered and that they're like taken serious as smart investors, as serious earners, that women, you know, are a very important part of this conversation. And so that was my journey and where I'm at now in my business. And again, I'm just doing anything I can to keep getting women like building that confidence in women. So I've written two books um, that both are coming out this year, one called Make Money Your Thing, and it's about women building confidence around money. And then the other one called Money Wise Mabel's Bursting Bank. And it's a picture book about a little girl learning about money, because I think it's, you know, when we talk about, well, where does the confidence come from? And how early do we have to start? Well, we can start really, really early. And in fact, we can start with our kids. And I think we should. But I feel like right now we need to really focus on the women. I agree with you. And I think an important point for listeners is that money is important for women of any status and you can start with anything. So it's not, you know, financial advising is not for just a particular group of women, for example. So you don't have to be a high profile professional. You can be anybody wanting to invest money and save money. You can start with $100 and you can invest a million dollars. I think that's a really important point for women who don't know where to start. You can start with anyone. I always say to people, just start now, start where you are, because anything makes a difference. Like in my book, I tell a story about a woman who was a single mom too, and she didn't have much left. Like there's a lot of expenses and she was a working mom and there was daycare and all that sorts of stuff. And so to start out, she put away $25 a month. But then as the expenses decreased, because her kids were getting a little bit older, then it was, okay, $100 and $200 and $300 to a point where she is well on track to achieving her 
financial independence or financial freedom goals and a retirement at an age that, you know, she's excited about. So it's all very possible. But again, it, you know, doing what you can now, whatever that is, is going to make a big difference. And I also feel in my own experience that finding someone like yourself, a financial advisor, who's going to be on track with your goals and who's going to help you understand all these important points. What age would you like to retire? What age is it feasible to retire? Those are important things because we're not all going to work till we're 90. Um, so having that in mind, I think is really important and it gives you something to look forward to and it makes living your life that much more fun and uh, exciting because you think I have a plan. And so it keeps you in plan with your health and your wealth and you feel like you're motivated to do all these things. I always remind people, you know, do your due diligence, treat it like an interview, ask lots of questions, make sure you're finding the right fit because it's your money. And that's also what I tell people. It's your money. No one's going to love it as much as you. So do remember that it's like you have your best interests at heart and you know what's right for you. Like I think intuitively as women, we have that. We know what what is right what, when something doesn't feel good, when it doesn't feel like maybe a good like connection if you're working with a professional or if you've been in a situation where your spouse is handling it and you don't feel like you're getting enough involvement in it. Like we intuitively can kind of feel that something isn't quite right. I need to do something about that. So listen to that, you know, be really in tune with that. Make sure you're you're representing your money. You're advocating for your money. Like you said, it's it's what it creates. Like money is a tool that gets to us achieving our biggest goals. It, it helps us buy our first house or our dream home. It's the tool that helps us go on vacation with our kids or on the, you know, this dream vacation girls trip that we've always wanted to go on or whatever it is. Like that's what money is. It's the tool to making these things possible. Um, so you have to treat this really important. Like it's an important decision. You have to take it serious and advocate for what you need and what you want. Before we talk about your upcoming book, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about Moneywise Mabel's Bursting Bank. I feel like I like her already and I have teenagers. And so the money conversation comes up very often because teenagers are expensive. They don't realize that they have very expensive taste. And I feel like sometimes, like your mom, I don't want to say no, but I also want them to understand that they can be responsible for the things that they want. I can give them the things that they need, but they have to go out there and get the things that they want. Is that a good idea to teach our children that they can work for their things and that they can work hard to save money? Do you feel like starting at teenage is too late? Should we start a little bit earlier? And how old is Money Wise Mabel? <laughs> So money-wise, Mabel, she's about five. Um, my daughter was around five or six when I was writing it. But what you have like just described as that strategy is fabulous. Like how can we get our kids involved and be giving them that financial independence? Like how can we be teaching them instead of doing it for them? Because it becomes really scary and stressful when we think like, uh oh, you know, I need to pay for their full tuition. I need to put a down deposit on their first, you know, I need to give them the down payment for their first house. I need to buy them their first car. It's like, Ooh, like when we look at money from that lens, it's just like how, you know, it, it might not be feasible. It might not be enough. And we do have to remember the value of like, you know, putting on your own mask first, right? So you have to 
plan for your own financial goals first, because I'm sure your children would want that for you as well, right? Fast forward years from now, they want to be living their lives and seeing us able to financially support ourselves and not relying on them, like because we've just, you know, spent everything we had on them. So it's just that instilling that in our children. It's, you know, it's, it, it's hard because you're right. You don't want to like resist the little things, especially for me. Like I grew up not having much. So when my daughter asks for these things, it's just like, yeah, I want to give her everything, all the stuff I didn't have, like in that, you know, to me, it's like, well, yeah, that's a great idea, but is it really a good idea? Um, you know, are we raising little monsters that way? If we're, if we're just saying like, yes, instant gratification, you can have anything you want anytime. Um, so it's, it's very valuable to get your teens, um, young people involved in the decisions. Like I can tell you, I have a client who paid off her house when she was by the time she hit 40. And that was her goal. She wanted to have her entire mortgage paid off and be mortgage free by 40. And that's an amazing goal and a very early goal to hit of having a house paid off. But I asked her about like early money experiences and stories. And she talked about how her parents had her pay for her own cabbage patch doll when she was little. So she had to save up and buy it herself. And you're just like, wow, something like that created this diligent, these diligent habits in her to a point where she had this big money goal and she did it later on in life. So started with a cabbage patch doll, but it became a home that she paid off completely. So it's, it, it, it's hard at the time saying no and, you know, saying, well, do you have, you know, your own money saved up to buy it? Or um, if they don't, then it's maybe like, okay, you're going to have to wait till you have enough saved up to afford it. And, and again, it kind of pulls at us in, inside. You're like, you know, you could inter- like you could probably afford it. And, um, but it's, it's that whole like, okay, like what am I teaching them for later on? What are the sort of like values I'm instilling for them later on these diligent habits? So it's, I would say it's far better like much better gift than giving your children money is giving them that gift of like knowledge and experience and, and working with it with them, like saying like, Hey, if you can save up, you know, X amount, I'll contribute this amount. Like there's different ways we can do that. So, um, yes, I love your idea of having teenagers. And again, it can start at any age. Like you can start when your kids are old enough to really understand the concepts about money. I like made the very smart decision in my case to start giving Ivy allowance just within this last past year. And she does a lot of tasks for it. She's very diligent, um, big sister and things like that. So she's very helpful, but it was the best thing I could have done because before she wanted me to like buy her things all the time. And now that she's getting allowance, the conversation is just like, well, payday's Friday. You're going to have to wait until then. And if it's beyond what she makes, then it's, well, you're going to have to save up a few weeks worth or maybe even a few months worth to buy that. Um, and it's, it's working really well. Like she's not, (laughs) she's not spending all my money anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And those are amazing life skills. Now, before we end our segment, I wanted to remind listeners, what is the title of your upcoming book? When can they get it? So yes, there's two books. So the kids book, a picture book, the little girl learning about money is money wise Mabel's bursting bank. Um, it comes out right in time for back to school. Um, So it comes out in September, but you can order it already on Amazon for pre-order. And then when it's out, it will be out in all bookstores. And then my other book is called Make Money Your Thing. And again, it's about helping women build confidence, feeling empowered when it comes to their money. Um, That's coming out this year. And you can check out my website to stay on the list so I can inform you about when it's out for pre-order. And so my website is just firstnamelastname.com. So kayleeboisvert.com. 
And are you on any social media where our listeners can find you, reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So my links would all be on my website, but you can just, you can find me on um, Instagram, Kaylee Boisvert, um, Facebook, Twitter, um, all those places. And I'm looking forward to both of your books. You can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Michaela or my website, ClaudiaMichaela.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at healthyplanetcanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.